Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sister Radio. I'm so excited about tonight's show. If you're tuning in for the first time or you've been listening with us for a long time, you know mental health is something that's very near and dear to our heart, and we like to be advocates and talking about um, suicide prevention and anxiety. And tonight, no exception, we're talking about is depression normal? which kind of seems like a silly question, but I have two amazing guest co-hosts on the show with me, and I'm going to put you two through right now. I'm not even going to wait because we're going to get into it. So I'm going here. Hey, Joy. Hi. (laughs) Hey. Let me go over to my Maybia so I can get her on too. Hang on one second. Okay. Maybia? Hello. <laughs> oh, I got both of you ladies. Good. <laughs> Welcome this to is the so radio. Cool. <laughs> awesome. awesome. I've never done this. Are, I am so excited because you guys are like my Instagram BFFs, and I'm always talking about y'all. <laughs> so let's get right into it because I don't want to waste no time. This is important. Um, I'm going to start with you, um, maybe, uh, can you just share a little bit about yourself and your work? Sure. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the show with you. Um, no one discussed this in the past, but we never got around to it. So just thank you so much again for the opportunity. Um, my name is Madia Cope. I am a school psychologist. I've been a school psychologist for seven years. I work with uh, students from uh, 2nd through 12th grade and uh, deal with basically students who are facing depression, uh, any kind of environmental issues that's affecting them. I deal with them. I work with them as a mentor and psychologist to see how I can support them in getting them healthier and able to perform to their fullest potential. That's amazing. Yeah, I also, as a result of doing so, after working in a residential boys' home serving second through 12th grade, I founded a nonprofit wherein I can also service students outside of the school setting. So um, that's basically what I do. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. Um, but I, you also do Simply June Cares, which is your personal right. nonprofit organization. That is correct. And when did you start that? Uh, in 2014, I started Simply June Cares. I used to be a fashion blogger because I love fashion as well. And oh, one day I just said, you know, you enjoy, you enjoy have that connection. <laughs> right, right. I didn't know that. <laughs> So uh, Simply June used to be my fashion blog, but then when I was in grad school working on my doctorate, I decided, you know, I should really put my passion and my purpose together, and as a result, I used my same blog name, Simply June Cares, uh, the cares meaning for compassion, advocacy, responsiveness, and to end stigma. So that's how I pour into children. You're amazing. You're a powerhouse. Love it. I, I'm going to go over to Joy. Joy, I know you've had awesome. something you want to share, too. Just share a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay. She's she's really impressive. Like, I don't even know. I know. I'm like, why am I running this show? There's, like, no words. I'm, like, shaking. 
like I'm still like I was digging that music. Like I'm still like you know like in the while I was waiting to get on the show, but. Um, basically, I'm one of the children that um, her organization, like, you know, is, like, teaching those, you know, skills to, like, cope with, like, mental illness. Um, I was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. So okay. it's kind of like you're having both components of, like, bipolar, um, mood disorder, and um, schizophrenia. And, um, basically I love how she, um, Simply June is about tying in like, you know, how it started with fashion and then, you know, it's ending to like, or it's transcending into ending that stigma. And that's what Little Miss Broke is all about. Um, I came up with this brand based from my support system and tying, you know, what I love, which is fashion with what I have to cope with day to day, which is schizoaffective. And um, basically, I just, like, spend my hours thrifting when I don't have to work. And um, it's, yeah. it's like therapy. And just, like, turning, like, old things into something that I can tell a story with, you know. And I'm pretty, like, you know, into ranting and raving. So I just, like, talk about <laughs> anything um, that ties in with whatever I want to talk about at the time. I think I'm ranting and raving right now. <laughs> Because I'm nervous. <laughs> no, let it, let it. Let it I'm yeah. so happy to have you two on because something that I always felt was a safe place with you two and there was a connection. And I think yeah. that we need more of that in the world. I, and also something I have to mention because just you talking about fashion and how you've had your diagnosis, I'm sure that yeah. um, maybe I will know this too. But I really feel like the link between being highly creative and artistic and having either mental illness or being diagnosed with a mental illness or living your life with a mental illness, they're like synonymous almost, that the two For go sure. hand in hand. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like some of like the best artists, you know, um, had some form of like, you know, like mental disorder or whether it be like, you know, substance abuse or, you know, some of my favorite, like, authors, Edgar Allan Poe, Sylvia Plath, you know, a lot of, like, the painters and, you know, Basquiat. I mean, all of these amazing people um, that sadly may have died young um, formed, you know, their art through, you know, their sadness and, you know, or anger or built up angst, you know. So um, I think that kind of gives me a niche with what I'm trying to do. Um, in the vintage world, because like, I don't know who I'm going to be, you know, each day, which sounds kind of scary, but you know, I wake up and I'm like, you know what, like, I want to dress this way today and kind of see the world through this, this eye, you know, um, I'm still like me, but at the same time, it gives me a chance to, you know, open up a portal to something that maybe I did not see yesterday, if that makes sense. Oh, the portal thing totally makes sense because that's kind of what it feels like when you're creative. You're like all of this um, divine kind of inspiration. It feels like it comes yeah. out of nowhere. So I, that's really well put. Media, what do you yeah. think um, about your students? Do you do you see that there is a correlation of like the highly creative um, students who go to you for help um, having more mental illness or more um, behavioral disorders, whatever it is, what do you think, or what has been your experience? 
Okay. Uh, in that case, I'll say I have to agree with Joy. Uh, definitely students who have a mental illness, mental health issue, uh, they do have, they're very creative, and it comes with finding a passion and almost like play therapy, something that works for them. It becomes very therapeutic. They lose themselves within the creativity. Mm. I love that. I love that. And I think it's an important way to connect further with yourself and your um, mental health is through the arts. Whether you're an artist or not, I think that could apply. What do you think? Definitely. Mm-hmm. So I really right like to – oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go no. ahead. Share your hand. I, I'm so sorry. Um, I just really like how um, she's starting with, you know, captivating like letting these kids like it it starts it needs to start as soon as possible like they're young I didn't get help until much later so I love how you know it's starting now with these kids like diving into their creativity right and that's what I do I um I I do see a lot of five-year-olds which is very young however uh, they're already noticing that something is different. And so involving them in play therapy and getting their parents involved to see, hey, you know what, they have some challenges. Let's see how we can uh, fix the alterables in their environment to see if there's something we can change for them or find out what's medically going on with them so that it can be better for them later on. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, let's dive right into the topic. So is depression normal? Um, I don't know, Joy, you want to start, pass, pass the ball off to you, and then go to you, maybe, what do you think? Is depression okay. normal? That is very tricky um, because, like, even now um, I struggle with that because I'm, I, like, even the friends that I have that, you know, kind of have, like, similar diagnosis, it, it's always like we're struggling with feeling like, are we normal? But honestly, we're – we're not like the average person where like emotions can literally just like roll off our back. It can literally make us or break us for literally like two weeks or more, you know? Um, I find that in a lot of ways it's normal, but um, it's for me personally, like it determines how you you're going to fight against it. If that makes sense. I know that I'm explaining it weird, but like, I think depression is definitely normal, but how you choose to overcome it, I mean, there's a lot of ways that can't be normal that is ultimately negative for you in the end, you know? I think just, like, rising above it and trying to do as much positive um, things as you can to overcome what you're going through is definitely key to kind of just, like, you know, persevering on. I don't know if that makes sense, but... It does. Um, it does totally makes sense. Yeah. That's I think awesome. for me, um, um, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Continue. Okay. Um, for me, like back in the day with like some of my coping mechanisms is I would live like a lifestyle where um, we have this thing that's called disassociation. So you disassociate um, into, you know, another personality, and that can fall under depression. Um, some of these states – disassociative states are like depressed characters that you make up because you can't cope with reality. So you kind of just go up into this personality that you made up in your head. I don't know if you've seen the movie Sybil, 
but it's exactly like that. And what was not normal for me was like, you know, hitchhiking and literally maybe going off with somebody that I didn't even know. And during my drinking days, I would just like drink or I would live a promiscuous lifestyle that, you know, I was putting myself at danger just because I was trying to find something that coped and made me feel good, but it was just temporary, you know, that behavior was not normal. So I had to rise above it and just like, you know, do therapy, get on medication and just like, you know, look myself in the mirror and be like this, you got to do better than this, you know? I would say too, for me, that my experience is similar of, of like the real battle about depression in my life. And I've had bouts of depression since childhood. I can remember being, like you were saying, five years old. I'm like, five years old's not too young. I remember being four years old, three years old, crying for yeah. no reason and just sad for no reason. And there's been this kind of ebb and flow in my life of um, I'm doing really good and I'm not doing really good. And for me, I noticed that what's been hardest about coming out of depression has been um, picking up on things that are temporary reliefs for my depression, like temporarily feeling happy, whether it's through drinking, whether it's through doing drugs, whatever it is, or even just eating, like eating way too much. Exactly. um, And so I really identify with what you're saying. I I do want to hop over to Media because I don't, girl, I want to hear what you have to say if you want to just take off and fill in. Sure, I'll be happy to answer that. Okay, so the question stands, is depression normal? Well, I say for someone who has mental health challenges or mental illness, depression is normal. It's something that they're going to experience from time to time. Because they want to feel good. They want to disassociate, as Joy said. And as a result, when the depression comes along, it seems normal. However, uh, according to the DSM-5, it's not normal. And that's why we aim to find coping mechanisms that can help someone who has mental illness deal with uh, depression when it comes around. So you don't think um, you're saying that you don't think the the average person who doesn't have a mental illness doesn't go through similar experiences of depression? Is that what I'm hearing? Right, because what happened is that depression may not the feelings that go along with depression does not last as long for someone who does not have a mental illness. I get oh, okay. That, yeah. So you're saying like the overall process is is very different for somebody who has. Um, something that they're mentally going through on a regular basis versus right. just kind of somebody who doesn't necessarily have all of that going on. Right. Like someone who doesn't uh, have a mental illness, they may go through something temporary, and so, you know, they act different, and they may say, I'm depressed, but it's not necessarily depression. When it exactly. lasts more than two weeks and it affects their functioning, that's when we go into depression, mm-hmm. and that's not normal. See, that's exactly what I was saying. She said it exactly how I was trying to explain it, you know. It's, it's, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's like the average person, you know, like they're able to roll it off their back. But, you know, right. somebody that is living this day-to-day, it's like it's, it, you feel, I mean, it's, it's forever, you know. Um, so the choices that you make, like, it can literally be life or death sometimes, you know. That's right. Well, you know, it's so it's so interesting because for me, I've been trying to figure 
the reason why I even want to do this show is because I'm trying to figure out, is this something, because I know many people that this is, this is lifelong and, you know, they're, they're treating it in therapy. They're treating it whether holistically or with Western medicine. And, um, and that's great and that's wonderful, but I'm, I'm concerned for my friends who are kind of like the average person. I hate to use that word because I think we're all extraordinary and phenomenal and like God's okay. handiwork. But, I, but it's interesting to have friends who come to me because they know that I'm very open about uh, my mental health journey and say, you know, all of a sudden I had I lost my job and I got went through this breakup and I just can't get out of this depression. They're like, and I've never experienced depression ever in my life. So the reason I was asking the question is because I was like, is are there more people than we know who are experiencing depression, whether it's on a regular basis or it's just this one kind of fell swoop, you just everything came crumbling down and you're stuck in a rut. Um, what do you guys think? Oh, definitely. There are a lot more people. I mean, the percentage of undiagnosed persons mm-hmm. in the population is much higher. Uh, there's so mm-hmm. many people that are suffering from um, a mental illness, but they're undiagnosed. Exactly. And that's like with the undiagnosed part, what kind of like happened with me too is like, which is why I'm always wanting to um, connect with my, you know, my young people that, you know, younger than me, um, it's like, you know, you go to a party, you're doing drugs or you're drinking, and um, no offense to anybody who may partake in that, but there's always going to be, like, if you don't know it, there's possibly an underlying gene that you can wake up, you know, due to the fact that you are, you know, doing some type of recreational activity, you do something and you're going to wake that gene up, you know, schizophrenia yeah. is a lot of it is genetic, you know, and uh, with me with doing the drugs or drinking heavily, I woke up that gene and I landed in the hospital. So you never know what can happen. You know, if you decide to snort Coke or if you decide to drink, you know, 10, 12 beers and blackout, it's just, it's a repeating cycle. You may not feel like you have yeah. anything, but, you know, you can wake that gene up. Yeah. And, and that makes so much sense because you're chemically changing what's exactly. going on in your body when it comes. It totally makes sense. Well, and I'll just – a little bit of background for you guys because, actually, I don't even know if I've ever fully shared this on Sister Radio or not. But when I was in high school, they um, gave me – at 16, they gave me a diagnosis of ADT AD, – ADT. What the, who the heck am I – what am I talking about? <laughs> ADT. Security. And um, bipolar disorder. But what was so funny is I had all these circumstances in my life that um, were making me act very rebellious, and I was highly creative, so I was very bored in school. And um, and I just didn't have really any sense of emotional responsibility, really, what 16-year-old does. And I was diagnosed with that, and they put me on um, Lamictal and Concerta. Oh, man. I was, I was on Lamictal. For, Sorry. I, I mean, and for a long period of time, no, no. That's, it, yeah. I'm, see, we have some similarities and parallels. But it was funny because for me, right off the bat, I knew that, that I didn't want um, – I, I didn't feel like the diagnosis was done well for me personally. 
This is yeah. not saying that I think every diagnosis isn't done well or done in the right way. I just felt like a blanket statement me <laughs> and stuck me in yeah. a box, and I and I just didn't have the proper um, resources or outlets or support system. My parents were doing the best they could with what they had, and this was just mm-hmm. what they came up with. And so in my early 20s, I decided I am, I'm going to get off of this medication through the help of my doctor because I said this, this diagnosis I don't feel like fits me. And creatively, I had like this ceiling over my head. And, like, I just, I stopped writing music. I stopped writing poetry. I stopped doing all these things I love. And so I was like, you know what? I don't don't know that this is the right path for me. So I've had to go on this journey of finding what is right. But it's interesting because as I've gone along, I've found things are not so black and white as far as the discussion about mental health and how we treat it and how we um, come out of depression or come out of, um, just different hardships, mental hardships. And so I think something that I was going to wait to go into is what are your views on um, overdiagnosis or like somebody who is just going through a hard time where they've lost so much or something's happened, they're experiencing grief, and they're being told that they're now clinically depressed. And what, what do you guys think about all that? Okay. What I would say on this is because – Along with depression, uh, it could it can be comorbidity, meaning that you can have more than one disorder happening at the same time, or you may just be going through some type of life change, as you mentioned, grief for one. You know, it may mm-hmm. be temporary, but if you don't have the right resources, you may not know to how to look out for the signs of depression or how to proper treat yourself at the time when you are going through something which could be temporary. And as a result of not having the proper support or resources, then it may lead uh, into depression. As well as some people may have the resources, but they don't know how to proper verbalize what they're going through. And Mm -hmm. as a result, they may uh, get the improper diagnosis. Because when you think about it, the do- it may not always be clinical where a doctor could say, hey, you know what, I'll run this test on you and I can determine what is physically wrong with you. We're talking about a mental state of mind. So if you're not able to verbalize that, they may not always give you the right diagnosis. Right. Do you think that, they're th- that they do, in the, at least in the American healthcare system, that sometimes they do just um, diagnose people because it just fits? Like you can just, I, I don't know how, how to pose the question well, and it's to me such an important question. Do you think that I'm the not American healthcare say system? That. I wouldn't okay. agree with, because when it comes to uh, prescribing medication for someone, a, a doctor or a psychiatrist would have to know exactly what is going on. So before they prescribe a medication for someone, they would have to understand directly what is going on with that person, see them over time instead of just writing a prescription. And um, as a result, they would have to definitely know what they can prescribe based on if they believe the person's brain has a chemical imbalance wherein their serotonin levels are depleted and they need that medication to create some kind of a balance for them. Sure, sure. That makes a lot of sense. 
so so there's kind of room to grow in the American healthcare system as far as mental health and how we treat it. Um, but you feel like as far as your personal experience, you've seen um, a lot of people do really well with the healthcare system in America as far as getting what they need. Some people do well with it, honestly, and some people do not. One of the biggest problems that we do have is there are a lot of barriers to care, meaning that there are a lot of people who do not have access to mental health care. And even if they do have access to mental health care, personally, they're not following up. And as a result of them not following up, Mm -hmm. then they don't get the proper care that they need. And doctors can't readily go out and say, hey, I'm coming to look for you because you need care. So they have to rely on patients to come back for the quality care they need. Yeah, I mean, you go to downtown Los Angeles, Skid Row, and and you can just see. Exactly. I mean, we're going to force all those people to, to go into buildings and get treated. It's just it's a hard situation for a lot of people. You can't force um, people to get well, which is unfortunate. But a lot of, there's not many other solutions. Sorry. A lot of people just Go give ahead. up, though, you know. Um, yeah. We're both in Atlanta, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. And I've talked to a lot of people, um, some being like friends that are living on the street. And, you know, they ultimately just say they give up, you know, um, either because they're embarrassed, you know, or they just, they don't have the time or, you know, they'll make a schedule, never hear back from a case manager or, you know, it, it's just like, there's just a lot of like, a lot of challenges on both ends, I feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. And Totally. Only with the homeless population or adults, even with children, sometimes parents don't follow up with their appointments. And when we have someone who needs uh, and uh, needs to follow up with their appointments to see their progress levels, to know that they're doing better or to have their medication changed or something, and that's not happening, then it's only going to make them regret. So a case manager should definitely be following up with someone, no matter how young or old they are. And I have uh, volunteered with the homeless population in Atlanta. Uh, As a matter of fact, I actually sit on a nonprofit board wherein uh, we donate uh, hygiene products to the homeless. So I've actually spoken to them several times. On numerous occasions, I've actually sat down and spoken to these populations. And as a result, they just don't want to go in for care because they don't want to be bothered, and they just don't feel the medication helps them. But it's because it's not yeah. consistent. Yeah, I, I think, and I think for me, my my concern is um, predominantly the artists and the creatives. And I'll just speak about LA. Yeah. I actually don't know that much about Atlanta, but um, if it's like LA, <laughs> most of the homeless people that I've met have been extremely talented whether it's like through mm-hmm. music or paint or sculpture, whatever it is. And I, there's got to be a way to protect them. And maybe it's not, I don't know what the solution is, because this is kind of like I'm throwing this out from nowhere. This isn't following any of my talking points. But I just was really impressed recently about how the artistic community 
and mental health, the people who are going through their own battles of mental health, whether they're homeless or they're living fairly normal lives and they're battling this mm-hmm. stuff, um, they don't, they're not very well protected. Like there's not many advocates for them. Um, and I don't know if that's something that we just don't have the resources or the proper people in place or the proper protocol in place. And like, I don't know if it's a priority for the mental health community um, to protect artists because really we don't want to, we don't want to squash anything. We don't want to take away from any of the creativity. That's true. Um, and some, people, like, I some think... people won't. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this thing like Yo, when I'm like really in, in, in a conversation, I totally cut off people. <laughs> it's so rude. But what I'm no, saying is like I, I'm agreeing with you too because it's like you're afraid of hindering your creativity. And um, so I think a lot of people are just looking for that instant fix, you know, like this medication is going to solve all my problems. I'll be able to go day to day. I'll be able to paint, you know, or I'll be able to work. And sometimes it's just like, like with Lamictal, I just had no emotion. And honestly, it put a lot of negative thoughts in my head that I knew I could not act on, you know. So a lot of these medications are just too much, you know, you kind of got to fiddle around. But at the same time, when you said if there's um, some, like, outlets of people in the mental health that do help with, create, you know, creatives, um, in Noonan, Georgia, there's this awesome nonprofit called Art Saves Lives, and um, mm-hmm. it's in downtown Noonan, and I have a card in my car, but she deals with, um, you know, people living in low-income areas, veterans. Um, she teaches them how to paint. I believe do pottery or, you know, um, draw. Um, and she helps heals, you know, whatever their sorrows are through art in Noonan. And, um, she actually is connected with the hidden South. I don't know if you, um, check out the hidden South, but she's a really awesome girl. Um, but she started that up in Noonan, Georgia. I'm writing all of this down. This sounds amazing. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. I mean, honestly, a lot of people, you know, the thing that I love, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, you got to look outside the city sometimes because that's where all the progressive, um, you know, like a lot of your nonprofits that are core into like helping, you know, us poor people, us with mental disabilities, that's where everything is. You know, there's a lot of great things happening in major cities. Um, Atlanta is ours, but sometimes you got to look outside of that because there's a lot of great things happening, you know, um, from Rockdale to Coweta to, like, you know, just a lot of awesome things. That's really encouraging to hear that. I do know a few people, but all the people that I know in Los Angeles are doing it really Mm -hmm. on their own time and their own dime and not necessarily okay. with an organization. So I'm I'm yes. like saying, I'm going to start looking stuff up in LA. I don't even know why I haven't even thought about this yet cuz I really predominantly work with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, but I'm like I'm, okay. I'm starting to branch out, starting to find Yeah, branch um, out. resources. It's awesome. So I want to mm-hmm. ask you cuz I don't even think I put this in the talking points guys. I'm sorry, but I'm curious cuz I know you both um have your own um, spiritual journeys. I think we're all three of us are Christians. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What would you say? I'm going to start with you, um, Midia. What would you say um, the correlation between 
spiritual health, spiritual relationship and mental health and your mental um, health relationship with yourself, what would you say, like, I don't, I don't know if you want to just talk about the similarities or um, the reason why both are important to you or what your experience has been, but as far as being on a spiritual journey and a mental health journey and getting well. Okay, sure. Um, what I would say is um, being a believer, I do believe that I can relate the Bible to mental illness and um, and how we're able to better have faith that things can get better and will get better in the spiritual journey along with mental illness. As I can say, based on lived experiences that I've had being around people that have had mental illnesses or face mental health challenges, uh, I do see that when they become passionate about their faith and they become strong believers as Christian, it's not that their illness go away, but they become fixated on the pleasure and the faith, the belief, the faithfulness that they get in the camaraderie that goes with being a member, they belong, and as a result, it makes them deal with things easier. So coping skills that's, get better for them. That's spot on, especially getting back to not wanting to do, derail from this because I want to keep talking about this, but um, talking about the artist community again and tying that in, I think part of what stigmatizes the artistic community and mm-hmm. their mental health is they don't feel like they belong anywhere. And when you're in a, yeah. an environment yeah. where you belong and you know you belong, which whatever faith, whoever's listening, where this isn't a show saying Christianity is, um, you know, the main thing and the only way, although I'm sure we both all have our own personal beliefs about that. But, um, but mm-hmm. the point being that you belong, and I think that's really important what you're saying, that you have a place to belong and that being a part of your mental health journey. Do you think um, there is anything between depression and, like, spiritual oppression? I don't know if I should go there. This might this might take <laughs> it to a next level. Feel free to just say, let's not, and say we did. But what do you guys think about, like, spiritual oppression and um, and mental, mental illness? Same, different? Hmm. Spiritual oppression? Yeah. So, like, maybe somebody who, like, in in the church I go to, they talk a lot about, like, mm-hmm. generational um, things being passed down. And I was like, well, gosh, that sounds just like what they say in the scientific discussions on mental health, that it's passed yes. down and it's hereditary. So is it spiritual or is it physical or is it both? <laughs> and um, You mean in a way illness? Yeah, totally. With mental illness or dep- or just depression as a whole, like somebody who's really going through something, um, maybe thinking, is this like an attack on me, a spiritual attack on me, and I'm just fighting both. I'm fighting oh. the physical world and the spiritual world. What do you think? I'm throwing this out there because I think it's interesting, but I know it's touchy. Oh, man, I, did I step in it? I'm not sure. <laughs> no. So just so I get this right, like, um, like, like just somebody who's suffering, like I, for one, so you're saying like somebody who's suffering from so mental you, illness, they're thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you know what I'm saying? I think you get it. What I'm trying to. Yeah. I just, hopefully. it takes a little while for me to understand. 
I would say, oh, like I'm going to go to hell if I don't believe this or. No, no, just like, just like, is it, um, are there spiritual ties to mental, mental illness or depression? Is there something yeah, that's okay, okay. spiritually going on? I'm sorry. Um, I believe so. Yeah. Um, that's one of the core things that I like about the Bible. I don't know if this is like what you're trying to say. I'm so sorry, but like, there's a lot of characters in the Bible that, you know, can be foreseen as like completely kooky. (laughs) And (laughs) I have a lot of favorite characters that I can relate to, you know, that, you know, God knew their heart. And I think um, we can, like, tie those stories or parables that we see into our own lives and being like, you know, okay, I have exactly the same characteristics as this particular person, you know, and God loved them for who they were, you know. So I need to abide by, you know, how did this person deal with people, you know, like maybe antagonizing them for their choice, you know, even though I may be this way or that way. I don't know if that makes sense. But it does. I think there is, there is the correlation between then and now and will forever be, you know, even when we're not here. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And I think to clarify slightly, like an example would be within my church community, my church community happens to be like fairly um, like modern and progressive in the okay, sense of... Here. So there's like a lot of Holy Spirit talk and deliverance talk. It's not Pentecostal like a Southern Pentecostal church, but something along the lines of, for example, um, I, I'm going through a hard time right now. And some of the people have called to, can you just pray for me? And, you know, here's, I'll uh-huh. tell you a little bit about what's going on. Some of them are like, well, you need to go get some <laughs> deliverance. And I've been like, hold up. Oh. Fig- and I'm trying to figure out, because I don't want to be, somebody who pushes away something that could potentially release me from um, a really trying time. And it's, it's like a really hard line to walk in the Christian world because you don't want to be foolish and not, and not get therapy, get what you need, you know, know, do whatever. Yes. You know, there's like therapists though that are Christians that you can go to. So Sometimes the good thing with that is like seeking out those that are already in the mental health care system that are Christians that specialize in, you know, Christian therapy that is Christian based or, you know, whatever. You have psychiatrists and psychologists now, you know, um, and it's different denominations. I grew up undenominational where we're just Christian. We're not Baptist. We're not Catholic. We just believe in God and we love God, you know, and with that thinking, we're progressive, we're liberal. We, um, we're not that myth that most people think, you know, hard Christians, Southern hard Christians are, but, you know, I look for therapists. I'm in actually right now and I'm looking for a therapist that is Christian based that I can connect with because I've had really bad luck with just, you know, my personal um, journey in therapy with not really connecting with, you know, somebody that doesn't have the same faith as me because, you know, in therapy, I can't connect. I end up just like yeah, digging deeper in this black hole. Yeah, All right, and I'm gonna have to agree with Joy. One, as with yeah. any group that we are a part of, we always have to make sure it's a good fit. So yeah. it may not necessarily 
to be because someone shares your faith that they're good for you to discuss what's going on with you personally with them because they may see things on a different light than you do because they're not professionals. They've never dealt with that situation. Yep. And it also goes back to how were they brought up? What were they raised to think? You know, and as a result, exactly. it could the damage you then support you. So as Joy mentioned, looking for someone that shares the same faith or shares some of the same things may be better in therapy for you than not seeking someone who has a similar background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally agree. Did, did you wanna did you wanna add to to the conversation though about um spirituality and mental health? Well, the Bible does mention spirituality and mental health, and uh, there are several verses and several stories, as Joy did mention, that actually does go into play a role and does help one deal with mental challenges when they do face them. But uh, some churches, I do not know of them personally. I don't have the experience, but I've read about them and I've heard plenty of stories wherein they may not see someone who has mental illness as being normal. They may think of them as being having the devil, demons, or something in them that need to come out and it's not Christian-like. So once again, we just all have to make sure we connect to the right group we're in. We're getting overall good because as humans, We want to belong. We want to fit in. We want to have good self-esteem. And so we have to meet our esteem needs by surrounding ourselves with groups that make us feel good. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's spot on. That's spot on, Media. Um, So I want to move into the discussion about shame. And um, I think you said said it earlier, Joy, about feeling feeling embarrassed. People don't come forward because they feel embarrassed. Um, What has been your experience with shame and stigma and how do you want to see it changed? That's a really good question because there's so much. I um I think I just want I I know this sounds pretty basic, but I think if if we just live in a world where people kind of just like, you know, What's free to be, I feel like now, especially since um, being in my late 20s or whatever, it's gotten a lot better with being who you are, being true to yourself. But, I mean, the world is just so critical. And I think it's already hard enough, especially for a woman, you know, to, to kind of just, like, you know, be herself. And, you know, I feel like, God, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say right now, really. Because it, it's triggering, it's bringing I, back know, a lot of like memories. I just know feel it, though, like what you're girls just is, like so perfect. Girls just need to be themselves, you know. There, there's no. Yes. I think with the whole competition, with the whole um, just being afraid to say what you want to say. My mouth gets me in trouble. I say that all the time. I mean, it's <laughs> learning lessons to just like be yourself, you know. You know, don't be ashamed to um, talk to people and be like, look, this is what's wrong with me. I need help, you know, because you never know what kind of support system you can get out of that. Um, And that was my fault. I was a follower. Um, 
And with that being said, I didn't get help much later because I was worried about what my friends were doing and trying to keep up, you know. And um, that's why I've had so many phases in my life. But now that, you know, I've cut my friends down, I don't care if I have one, two, three friends. It's just about what I'm trying to do now and trying to better my life, you know. And my blessings are happening, you know, once I did that and once I'm living this lifestyle. Um, And I think only when you do that, only when you start living your happiness, that's when life gets better. You know, like screw all the other people who are just going to like make fun of you for whatever. That's, that's their misery that they need to work on, but you need to start working on your happiness and start doing what you want to do. I don't know if that makes sense. It's so good. You have to listen back to this episode so you can hear what you just said. Like that just gave me life. (laughs) That was awesome. Okay, media, I want to hear what you got to say, too. What do you got to say about this? Uh, The stigma and shame? Yes. Yeah, and how you want to see it change in the future. I know it's kind of... (laughs) What I want, the change that I want to see um, is for people to feel um, okay to talk about what they're going through, to know that more people are supportive and they won't necessarily think that they're crazy or I won't just definitely call them crazy, to understand that they're challenged not because they want to. It's not a choice. It's something that they're going through, they're experiencing that may cost them even their life because they're not able to sometimes cope with it. You know, the times when they're Mm -hmm. They feel like they want to die. They'd be better off if they die. You know, not doing the things that they enjoyed. You know, just having someone or a friend truly in their support corner to say, hey, you know what, I understand you're going through something. Let me sit with you. Let me walk with you. Just talk. I won't judge you. You know, let me exactly. let me have you be free in uh, – okay, you know what, you need to go somewhere. Let me get you to the doctor. Let me get you to the hospital. I'll stay mm-hmm. with you tonight at the hospital while you're going through this. You're not alone. Okay, so what if I have to take a half a day off to make sure you're okay because you're my friend? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. those are the things that I'd like to see happen. We be more, we as a people be more supportive of people exactly. that are in need of our support. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, someone that's going through it, feel so ashamed. Sometimes they just don't even want to talk about it because they are afraid of the rejection, you know, that they may feel from the person that they care about or the person they expect to care most about them. Yeah. You know, I once heard somebody say shame cripples us more than anything in life. Mm-hmm. I mean, and shame really comes from the fear of rejection and just fear in general. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that what you're saying, Media and Joy, is just spot on with anybody who's listening right now who does think that they're alone and does think that whether whether you are just this is a temporary thing for you or this is a lifelong battle, I think people need to hear that and know that. And then the other side of that is that people who love them and maybe don't understand exactly. what's going on realize they still need to be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to close the show because we've kind of gotten 
into some um, heated, interesting territory with some more positive and, although this has all been positive, what am I saying? But um, I would like to ask you to, to share a life motto or principle that you live by. Do you want to go first, Joy? Of course. Or do you want me to come back? Um, to you? Yeah, to come back to me. Come back to me. <laughs> so a life um, life motto or principle or um, principle that I live by is when I um when I feel good, I do good, and when I feel bad, I do bad. Therefore. If I do good, then I'll feel good. And overall, we want to feel good. So that's the way I think about it all the time. That's so good. I love and it. That oh, I love is, it. Thanks. That is actually um, from Abraham Lincoln. That's a motto by um, Abraham Lincoln. And that's one thing that I do teach my students, you know. Uh, and I've always uh, said this. Uh, don't do things that you're not proud of or that you may not want to repeat to anyone else because if it, if it yes. makes you feel good, then you should be able to talk about it. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, how about you, Dude, Joy? Did you not have picked a bet? Like, I'm up against, like, <laughs> like she's awesome. <laughs> she <laughs> is pretty Joy. awesome, but you are awesome too. Seriously, like, I'm just Here's like, what? <laughs> Um, I guess mine would just be like, you know, from a creative standpoint, I don't have, I have a lot of quotes, but, um, I think with the creative, being a creative with like, um, a mental diagnosis, um, music is like one of, like, I always say this in my posts, it's one of the only things that can shut me up. And that's why I'm probably not a safe driver because when I have music on, it's like, it <laughs> literally just lets me like de-stress and I'm just like in this trance of just like in the moment you know and um M83 is like one of my favorite um duos I love them and um Midnight City um the lyric like the city is my church um I really feel Mm -hmm. at one like early in the morning in a city or like late at night when nobody's out and I can drive in my little cube and just kind of like jam to that song and that's all I ever need. Like, you know, I can literally, like, maybe drive to a park, sit there, write, you know. Um, the city, I feel like for anyone, no matter what city you're in, no matter what diagnosis you have or what you're going through temporarily or lifelong, I just feel like let the world be, at least be your church, even if you don't have a higher power. Just, like, see the beauty in the world because it can take you into some really awesome places don't push away people that are there for you because I did that. And, um, you know, I should have been doing things and I'm getting a little emotional. I should have been doing things a lot earlier, but like, you know, the city is exactly like you can look and find some really good stuff there. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know I if that's, that. Make, yeah. You know, it's awesome. Make, make the city your church and, and go and find the good and the exactly travel. I'm, I'm with you. What are you most grateful for in your life? <laughs> I was going to make a joke. <laughs> okay. 
I am most grateful that um, I have access to social media, and as a result, I can reach people that I would not normally reach, because look at me talking to you in California all the time, I'm talking to Joy now, um, all the way out in Newman, and Students and children or people all over tend to reach out to me, whether they are messaging me, inboxing me, emailing me, and I'm able to feel like I'm creating more of an impact instead of just the people that's immediately around me. And it's one thing I'm grateful that I am blessed with the opportunity to serve. So that's my uh-huh. thing, service. And you do it so well. You do it so well. You do. I'm so grateful for you. Thank uh-huh. you. All right, Ms. I would say Beagle. the social media too. Oh, Missy. My name is Joy, for goodness sakes. I know. Um, I, Joy. <laughs> I would honestly say social media too because I have a lot of besties, including y'all, um, that I've connected with, especially in the sober movement. Um, I would definitely say that because they're part of that healing process, you know? Even if it's, like, a few people, I know that they're always going to like what I have to say. They're always going to get feedback. They're always going to send DMs, you know. I care about them so much because they have no clue what they've done in my life, you know. And um, my joke was I am um, definitely grateful for Jonah Hill. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. Every time you bring him up, Jonah Hill, I'm like, no, no. He is, like, the love of my life, seriously. If he is out there listening right now, I'm like, you know. That is my man. So. You heard her, Jonah. Yes. You heard her. Well, Sister Radio is going to have to hook you two up at some point. For sure. I know that, you know, you know, so, but yeah. Well, ladies, I am so grateful that you came on Sister Radio. It's really funny. We've been talking for just under an hour, 55 minutes. And I mean, it's tip, tip, tip of the iceberg. There's more to talk about with mental health. And um, I, I want to have you guys back on the show whenever. Please. Yeah. Awesome. That would be awesome. Anytime. So let's it's just um, let everyone. Always... Oh, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> See, that's I'm, I'm sorry. I for the opportunity. <laughs> it's okay. Thank you so much yeah. again for the opportunity. It was a pleasure listening to you, Joy. And um, any of the listeners want to, they could connect with me on uh, Instagram, uh, Simply June Cares, or go to my website and send me a message, and I'll call you back or email you, whatever it is, simplyjunecares.com. Awesome. Thank you, Media. You're welcome. I definitely want to connect with her. Yes. And then, Joy, just let everyone know where they can find you. Okay, so um, my um, handle is Little Miss Broke, and it's like Little Miss Sunshine spelled out L A T T L E M I S S B R O K E, um, Little Miss Broke. And then I sell, like, you know, what I want to sell on my website at littlemissbroke.com. And everything is pretty much under 20 bucks because it's like the passion for me. Um, really, I'm just working, paying off debt, and saving up so I can, like, open up my own store, which I hope to do, you know, pretty soon. Um, but basically just, you know, if you ever need any help, um, or just, you know, somebody to talk to, um, you can DM me and I can give you my number and, you know, that's that. 
That's awesome. Yes, so yeah, everybody awesome. go check out Media Enjoy and go go check them out. If you need people to talk to, if you need someone to connect with, um, if you just need somebody to listen, these are your girls. And, of course, you can come on Sister Radio. So next week we do have um, an awesome show. We have Huda Kushi, who was the first I saw that. owner of a – You saw that? Isn't that awesome? I'm, like, off yeah. the roof about this. So she's coming on the show. You're going to want to check it out. It's next Monday live at 11 a.m., but you can always listen later. And thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Awesome. Bless you, ladies. See you on Instagram. Bless you. See you there. Love you. Good night. So you've been listening to Sister Radio. We've been talking about depression and mental health. It kind of went off tangent. Um, And this song that I'm closing off the end of the night with is a song that I actually wrote, and I wrote it um, for anyone who's feeling hopeless, anyone who needs a new day. And so this is is my final song. You've been listening to Sister Radio, Beat of My Heart, written by yours truly. Oh, no.